Morning, Georgetown. Merry Christmas. <clears throat> We're in a series called Christmas Questions. And I would argue that we all have Christmas questions around this time of year. For instance, where did I put the Christmas lights, right? Like, why did I put them so far back in the attic? And then you have the question, of course, as you're beginning to hang them, why didn't I check those lights before I finished hanging them, right? And if you're like me and you love to hang them outside, you're thinking, why did I choose to hang these outside? At least if it's cold outside anyway, I become a big wuss when it's cold. Or if you're like us, this is a perennial Christmas question, right? How many times are we going to rent the movie Elf before we just buy it, right? How many times are we going to do this? Or maybe you've answered that question like we did recently, and you bought the movie, but now the question is, like on which platform or ecosystem or app or whatever did we buy it on, and what is the stinking password, right? Is that a question? That's a question you guys have, right? Like, where did we buy the movie Elf? This is how our holiday seasons all become so very hustly bustly, right? We get caught up like with stuff like this, where maybe it's tradi tradition, and it's there's nothing inherently wrong with the tradition, but those things just start to kind of pile in and cram into the calendar, and before you know it, we're a really, really stressed out person who cannot figure out why there aren't any cheese blocks at the grocery store, right? Like, where did all of the Philadelphia cream cheese go, right? I remember getting ready for Christmas uh, all just a few years ago, it was the very first Christmas Andrea and I had together, and our first Christmas was really close to our first uh, date. So you can imagine the Christmas questions running through my mind. Oh my gosh, I really super like this girl, and I don't know what to get for her because like we just had our first date, and so jewelry it was entirely out of the question. We're not doing like the promise Christmas ring thing, right? Like way too early, right? And, and so I just like I'm just grasping for straws. I mean, the St. Louis Cardinals are amazing, and of course the Chicago Bulls are national champions like three, four times over. So what size jersey does she want, right? Like what size basketball jersey with Jordan on the back of it does she want? Because that is obviously what you should get her. Of course. We all struggle with these Christmas questions. I would argue that some of our questions are a little more serious, and we have questions of the Lord, and the Lord has questions of us. So surely you have some of your own questions, like when is Christmas, and who is coming for Christmas, and when do we shop for Christmas, and cook for Christmas, and clean for Christmas, and then shop some more for Christmas, right? Because then you know, Uncle Jimmy's coming, and well, we got to go shop again, right? And so all these questions begin to start to press in as we try to figure out why we're hanging lights outside when it's 30 below zero, you know, and we're thinking, is this really what we should be doing with the season? And it seems like it's, it's a time for me, and maybe the same as for you, that's toward the end. Maybe it's in the midst of one of your last gatherings as a family when you begin to reevaluate how did my Christmas season go? I think that's a Christmas question we all have. Like, how did I use this time to, like, to, to remember the arrival of my Savior King? How, how did I do with that? It's this evaluative question that I think every one of us asks it, and, and for you, maybe it's the first bite of Christmas ham at the last dinner, or maybe it's as you give the last gift away. I don't, I don't know 
when it is for you, but for me, I sit there and I wonder at the last, uh, it's, it's not at the last, it says I'm driving home from the very last Christmas gathering and I begin wondering, how did we rush through this again? We all have Christmas questions. I think the series, we've answered some of the Christmas questions that the characters in these true stories from Scripture have had. We have also seen some of the questions that those characters had for the Lord. And I would posit to you this morning that the Lord has Christmas questions as well of each of us. How are we handling what he's given us, right? So um, right after I pray, we'll be in Matthew 1 and 2, and we'll be in Luke 1 and 2. A lot of summarizing today. And we will read from Romans 5, but it will be on the screens. So I would encourage you to read the NIV with us when we read that. If you just want to be bold and be your CSBESV self, go for it. Uh, let's pray, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful that you give us the church, your word, and your Holy Spirit. Father, I don't entirely understand how what you do when we gather works. But I undoubtedly see you work through your word amongst your church by the power of your spirit. We ask that you would do that again this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So Mary faithfully obeyed in both Luke and Matthew's accounts. I want to read from Luke 138. I think this is a good summary verse of Mary's receipt of this news. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Now, I can only imagine taking in all the information that Mary just took in, especially from an angel. Oh my goodness. And I know this is a little bit of review for you, but I can only imagine the questions that Mary might have had, the stress that might have started to creep into her heart, as she realized, I'm not only pregnant, I'm also unmarried, and now I'm traveling, right? And by the way, also, this is God. This is the Son of God that I am with child. Talk about questions. Mary had a little more than who's coming for Christmas dinner going on in her life. Yet, Mary, as Roman mentioned last week, responded in faithful obedience. So maybe your Christmas question is like Mary. A question of the Lord, but asked in faith. You can see in your scripture, she asked how, right? Maybe the Lord has a Christmas question for you this season. Maybe his question is, will you faithfully trust me? I remember being a young parent, and we got ready for Christmas about the same way every year. And that was at bedtime, reading from the little Zondervan toddler Bible book that had like the Velcro cover and the little red handle on it that I don't think either of which survived the three kids that we had, let alone the subsequent children. But we would read from that little Zondervan toddler Bible like five pages of the truth of the Christmas story leading up to Christmas, and over time it would sink in all the way to the point of our hearts. And I knew that was happening because Andrea and I would have conversations. And I knew that was happening because our kids would begin to respond with questions. Not only could they tell you the words if you covered one up, but they would begin to respond with their own questions of how, 
sometimes why, sometimes what's pregnant, how does one get pregnant, <laughs> ask your mom, right? <laughs> but the questions, of course, that our kids were asking were asked entirely in faith, like Mary, their Christmas questions were asked entirely in faith. Never was their Christmas question, really? I mean, come on, a donkey? Are you serious? The questions were not of that tone or nature. The questions were asked in faith. Maybe this Christmas you yourself have a Christmas question for the Lord. Or maybe the Lord has a Christmas question for you. And that is, will you completely and faithfully trust me, even though you don't understand how this is happening? Our second person I want to look at, I want to look at four this morning. Our second person we're looking at is Joseph, who faithfully obeyed. I know Robin just talked about this last week, so you guys already know. This is a quick review. You guys are already up on this, right? Joseph obeyed very quietly, very simply, without asking questions. Joseph just obeyed. Now, like Mary, he had a very stressful situation going on in his life. I want to read from Matthew, Matthew's Gospel in chapter 1, verse 19, where Matthew describes him as faithful to the law. So if, if Joseph was faithful to the law, then we can understand from that that he was an observant Jew, right? He would have wanted to do things just like the law commands him to do it. He was going to divorce Mary quietly, right? Well, Joseph then, of course, has to be thinking, this is quite a stressful situation. I bet Joseph had some Christmas questions. Anybody else? Like, I don't know, who? And let's see, how? Right? Until, of course, those questions were answered by God. But Joseph took what he was given by God, that incredibly stressful situation, and he faithfully moved forward. So I want to ask, I want to ask each of you uh, how we're facing some of the stress of the holidays, whether Maybe we're teeing off on social media, or maybe we're scheming against somebody, or maybe we're just like having meltdowns with our family, or maybe we're just popping off with our family. Maybe we're letting the family and the friends take the brunt of it. I don't know how it goes for you when you're stressful, but maybe that's a Christmas question for us this morning. Are we treating people like garbage because of the stress that we're undergoing? Or are we like Joseph? Are we saying like, you know, maybe this difficult situation that I'm in right now is from the Lord, or at least is something the Lord is going to use in my life to grow my faith in Him. Maybe. Maybe the Lord's question for us is, will your family, will your friends, will they see you walk through this stressful, difficult, challenging trial of a time? Will they see you walk through that faithfully, or will they see you, you're still going to walk through it, or will they see you walk through it in fear or in frustration? Matthew records that the angel told Joseph not to be afraid. It's human to be afraid, but we can also respond in faith. Maybe you're like me and you're facing a life situation that's just really stressful. It doesn't just give you pause. It gives you stress, okay? I don't want to stand up here and pastoralize the fact and pastoralize is a word I might have just made up, okay? But it means, like, use words like concern when what we really have is worry going on, right? And Jesus, of course, said, do not worry about tomorrow, for every day has enough worry of its own, right? So that's a sin, and I might like to pastoralize it by calling it concern. But I want to be transparent and say, like, hey, when my mom had a stroke and she, like, got to go home, that was great. But then it became 
way more stressful, even worrisome, right? Now that she went back into the hospital and she's in an extended rehab time, right? And my dad's an amazing husband, does everything he can do to make her life better, like literally brings her quiche every morning that she is there, right? Greatest dad husband ever, but he can't make her walk again either, right? No amount of love that he gives her is just going to be like, ta-da, now you can walk, right? She can't transfer herself from a chair to a bed. So the opportunity there that we have is to say, we're going to walk through this faithfully, or we're going to walk through this fearfully or in frustration, right? And so maybe a Christmas question that each of us have here is, Lord, can I trust you through a difficult trial? Or can I trust you through a, a time that is extraordinarily stressful? Or am I going to worry about it and show the whole world that I'm fearful and frustrated? I like to lean on what Paul says, and he says this in Romans. I told you we're going to read from chapter 5. So would you guys read aloud with me from Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5? Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I hope that you lean into a trial if the Lord has given you one and that you decide that your family and your friends are going to see you walk through it faithfully, just like Joseph, and not fearfully. All right, our third out of four our next Christmas character is Zechariah, our third character we're going to look at. Uh, Zechariah, the priest who did obey, but he didn't do it like Mary. He did it with lots of questions that were filled with doubt. Zechariah was doubtful. He just was. The angel said it. He called him out on it. He says, do you not know I stand before the Lord your God? Like, you should trust me, right? Am I clearly not an angel? Like, dude, you work at the temple, okay? And Zechariah responded in doubt. And I'm going to ask, have any of you ever responded in doubt into any of the situations that life finds you in, right? I just told you I did. I've responded in stress. I responded in worry, responded in doubt. So just full transparency here happens to me too. You don't get like a extra faith card when you become a pastor, right? That, I mean, if they do, I missed that ceremony. I did not get one of those cards. That stuff still happens to me the same as it happens to you, the same as it happens to Zechariah. So I'm, it just... If we can pause for like a one moment's curiosity here, a little pit stop, and we'll be back on the road to our fourth character, the wise men. But whose house was more stressful in this time? Was it Joseph, where he was engaged, and then, ta-da, pregnant also at the same time? Because remember, he was obedient to the law. Social pressure, <laughs> you might say, right? A little bit of social pressure. But compare that also to this other house here, where we've got Zechariah, right? And he goes into the temple, and then he can't talk, and then his very not-so-young wife is suddenly pregnant, right? And who has to explain all that? It ain't Zechariah, is it? So I wonder in whose house those families surrounding them were like, what is going on over there, right? I wonder in which house there might have been more doubt. Now, of course, not in, in the lives of Mary or Joseph, we see that from Scripture. There was initially from Zechariah, not from Elizabeth, and we see that from Scripture. So don't hear me placing doubt where there wasn't. But definitely hear me saying, I wonder, for those in their lives, the orbit of their life, how much, how much of that was going on, right? For those people. 
Okay, so some of our Christmas questions may come from a place of doubt, like Zechariah. And maybe, like Zechariah, worked in the temple, right? Maybe like Zechariah, you're walking in faith right alongside the Lord. You're walking in faith. But then the Lord decides to test that faith, and you have problems with doubt. Maybe he's stretching your faith. Maybe your Christmas question is, Lord, will you help me believe? Maybe the Lord is asking you, can you faithfully walk through this trial without doubt? A defendant, uh, a defendant was on trial for murder for which there was no body found. So the defense in his closing argument feels like he really hasn't sealed the deal on this and he decides to pull a trick out of the hat and he says, in one minute, the accused dead man is going to walk through those doors back there in the back of the courtroom. So as you can imagine, the whole jury is on the edge of their seat. They're watching the clock. They're watching the door. And a minute passes, and nobody walks through. And the lawyer thinks, I've really done it. He says, look, you guys all looked at the door, and I could tell that there was doubt because you were looking at the door. So I challenge you to deliver a verdict of not guilty. So the jury is gone to deliberate, and they come back in minutes and they deliver a verdict, but it's guilty. And the lawyer's beside himself like, how could you so quickly return and deliver such a verdict as guilty? You all looked at the door. I saw there was reasonable doubt. And they said, the foreman of the jury said, we did look at the door, but your client did not. Is, is there doubt? Is there doubt then? So in our own lives, by our own actions, and maybe someone who lives in close proximity, I don't know, your wife maybe, right? Like maybe your kids, for me it is both of those groups, will tell you how you're doing in this walk. Whether you're walking it faithfully or whether you're walking it, like Zechariah, with some doubt. Maybe your Christmas question is the Lord asking, can you faithfully walk through times of doubt and can you trust me when you can't see where or how I'm working? All right, our fourth and final character study. And this is the wise men. Matthew records these wise men in his second chapter. And he tells us that these wise men came from the east, came from afar. They, they came following a star. They pursued, they would naturally have to have pursued Jesus, the king, before he was born. So we can deduce just at least a very few things from this, I think, without jumping far ahead of what the text says. I think that we can deduce that they had a long-term commitment to Jesus as the king of the Jews. I think that they looked at, at the very least, they listened to prophets. I think they probably had enough canon of scripture of the Jewish Testament, the Old Testament, to look at the scripture and to say, the king of the Jews, he's coming, right? I think that these wise men were committed in such a way that they were not only committed to looking at the scriptures and looking at the sky, but they were also committed with their, their time, which I don't know about you, but that costs me more than anything. My time costs more than anything, my time. And then they were also committed with their resources, so their money, because they probably didn't have like a Tesla low-cost way of getting there, right? Like they're on camels that need food, and they need food, and then they need lodging. 
And this whole trip costs a lot of money, right? So these guys were long-term committed. They were focused on not only the sky, but the scriptures. And they believed that God was going to send his son, the king of the Jews. D.L. Moody said that when the world, he said that the world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him. And by God's help, I aim to be that man. One of my favorite biographies is that of George Mueller, who asked only God for the needs of his orphanages. He never told another man. He only asked God. And by God's providence, he provided for over 10,000 orphans over the course of his, his lifetime. Now, beyond that, I don't know how many. But during the course of his lifetime, 10,000 orphans. And after establishing 117 schools, he was able to educate 120,000 students because of his willingness to trust God for the long term to provide what he needed. Both, <clears throat> both the wise men and George were able to trust God for the long term. Maybe your Christmas question is, Lord, am I seeking you only? Am I trusting you only? Am I expecting only you to come through for my needs or the needs of my family? And am I willing to make a long-term commitment expecting you to come through for us? So I'll be honest. I'm going to rush out of here just like you guys, right? There are already plans on the calendar. Each one of us is going to maybe not rush, but we're going to walk to our car. We're going to check our text messages, probably check our calendar, probably check our list of things that we have to do today, and none of that's a sin because when our family comes over, we want to be very hospitable, right? Or when we go to our family's house, we want to have the presents that we said that we were bringing. Nothing at all wrong with that, right? But we are in a series of Christmas questions, and we're repeatedly asking God, what question do you have of me? And we're also going to sit with like, God, I have this question of you asking faith, right? Because we know that when we get out there, the hustle and the bustle begins to crush, doesn't it? We have lights to put up or we have gifts to find or wrap or whatever. And so what I'm asking is, could we just, for the time that we've already agreed, set apart, been made sacred by inviting God to move here through his spirit and his word and allow the Lord to answer a Christmas question or maybe allow the Lord to ask you a Christmas question. So, of course, we're going to sing you know this rhythm, this every Sunday rhythm. We sing the song, we pray the prayer, we walk out the doors, we greet one another, right? But I want to ask if you would take this time, then I'm, I'm going to say a few more words. I'm going to remind you of some ways that maybe we're asking a question, the Lord's asking a question, but I want to ask you to right now begin saying, all right, Lord, speak to my heart. And I love the way Robin says this every time that we get to decision time. Whatever it is that God is going to tell you, are you willing to do it? And so I'll ask you that. Whatever it is that God is going to tell you, are you willing to do it? It takes a lot of courage to answer that question in the affirmative, doesn't it? because you don't know what he's going to say. Or maybe some of you already know what he's going to say. You've got an inkling, right? So let me review really quickly before we go into our time of worship and closing. Maybe your Christmas question is like Mary. It's a question of the Lord asked in faith, in childlike faith, complete faith, but still a question asked in faith. Maybe it's like Joseph. 
and you're willing to walk through this time of stress or this time of trial, and you're willing to walk through it faithfully, not fearfully, not showing everyone in the world that you're really not making it, but walking through it faithfully. Maybe your Christmas question is, Lord, sustain me. Maybe your Christmas question is from the Lord this year, and he's asking, can you faithfully trust me through times of doubt? Can you trust me when you don't see how I'm working? Or maybe like the wise men, maybe your Christmas question is, Lord, am I seeking you only? Am I expecting you alone to come through for my needs and the needs of my family? Lord, I'm willing to make a long-term commitment, but Lord, are you going to make it for me? Maybe that's your Christmas question of the Lord. So it is really easy to sit within these walls and say, yes, I agree to all those things. I'm going to do the things. I'm going to be the obedient one. I'm going to be just like Joseph or Mary or Wiseman, right? I'm not going to be a Zechariah. But I think we all know the truth, and that is that when we walk out these doors, it's not just the crush or the speed or the fact that we flip the calendar and there's a new year here and just a blink, right? There's even more that makes it difficult, and that's when we go try to do it alone. So I think that a key to our success, if we want to be fully devoted followers of Christ, then God gave us a church, and it's for his glory, and it's for our good, and our good results in his glory. Because if we just quickly observe, how did when Christians decided to make a commitment to whatever it was they were committing, a closer walk with the Lord, increased faithfulness, or the willingness to leave their family behind to follow Jesus, right? If we look at Jesus' friends, if we look at his followers, we look at the disciples, the apostles, if we look at the early church, if we look at the church as she grew, right, after Jesus ascended, Holy Spirit descended, and the church started to explode and grow and spread, you're going to see the same thing everywhere. And what you're going to see is Christians who make a decision and then intentionally place themselves within a regular gathering of the community, of the believers of the body of Christ. You can't be the body of Christ alone. You can't be the body of Christ online. You cannot. You must be gathered, right? There is no way to bear one another's burdens. You cannot do that alone, right? So I'm wondering if for you today that means that you need to place yourself in an intentionally gathered community of believers, whether that be a Tuesday night women's study, a Wednesday night men's study, a Saturday morning men's breakfast, a Sunday night youth group. There's a long list, but there's a table full of lists in this lobby, and I don't know how it is that I am always the one preaching when we're signing up for electives, but man, we do electives like every eight to 13 weeks. We're going to sign up for electives because in electives, we believe that we're going to be in relationship with one another and that because we're in relationship with one another, as we learn the word of God, we're then going to be able to hold one another accountable to our becoming conformed to the image of Christ, literally why we're here. And I don't mean here in church. I mean here on earth, like the big questions of life. Why am I here? To reflect the glory of God, to rule the world that he gave us. If you think about sin and how it works, to destroy our ability to reflect his image to the world that he's trying to love through us, we have to come back together again regularly, intentionally, and say, I'm doing great here. I'm not doing great here. I need some help here. I don't understand this. But you can't do that alone. And so I'm just saying the obvious. Like when we walk out of here and we've decided that we're going to be a Joseph, there's no way that you're going to be a Joseph alone. 
There is absolutely no way that you're going to be a Joseph alone. There's no precedent for in Scripture anywhere at all that you're going to go be a a Christian, not a successful Christian. I mean a Christian. You don't exist alone. It It doesn't happen. A Christian is a member of the body of Christ. So I'm asking you today, where do you need to saddle up alongside somebody? Where do you need to grab a partner and say, let's get signed up for an elective because I hear that you learn the word and you develop relationships and that that's key to becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ. And I know that you want to become a fully devoted follower of Christ because you're here today and you're willing to listen to someone like me browbeat you and say, this is how the church behaves. But I hope that it doesn't come across as a browbeating. Um, I was fortunate those number of years ago when, when I had no idea what size jersey Andrea wore and I had no idea what to get her for Christmas, I was fortunate to have in my midst one who had gone into the great unknown of what do women want? And all the guys are like, tell me, tell me, tell me. I still, I, I got time. I got to go buy it. What do they want? And I'm just telling you, I didn't have a clue. But I had a mediator. I had one who had been there. I had one who had gotten on the phone as a woman, talked to another woman, Andrea's mom, and say, what stores does she like and what size is she? And, like, it wasn't a Michael Jordan jersey. I know that was super surprising. But she found out the store she liked and the sweater that she liked, and I was able to go there and get that because I had a mediator, one who was able to go to the place I couldn't go and find out the things I didn't know and do all the things that I couldn't do as a silly little boy who was just for sure in love but had really no way to translate that into, like, what size jersey do you wear, right? And so we as Christians have not only the church, but we have Jesus who's made that way for us as one who, the only one who comes as we'll celebrate Christmas Eve as a perfect Emmanuel. He comes as God with us. He comes as God and man, and he makes a way for us. And so it's so critical that no matter what I've said about being faithful, if you haven't decided that you need Jesus in your life and you are one outside of faith, maybe that means you're without hope. You have absolutely no hope. Maybe you're living unrepentantly, and I'm telling you today that you also live without hope. You must live repentantly, and you must live in the faith that Jesus alone is our way to have hope that our lives can be changed. And I don't mean like this is the go-to-heaven ticket. I mean this is the God's kingdom comes down, and his love is shown through us. His kingdom comes as we reflect his glory and his love to those around us, and he's the only one that can make us look like him. And so my Christmas question for you today is, have you trusted him as your Savior? We pray and we sing, and and as we begin to sing, if you've decided today that I need to take a next step of faith, I need to take a first step of faith, we have decision guides who literally come right next to you, and they will help you as you are trying to discern my way forward in faith. How do I grow closer to Jesus, or how do I, for the first time, accept Jesus as my Savior? You stay seated, and they come alongside you to help you make that decision. Let's pray. And then I will trust the Holy Spirit to move in your hearts and lives. Father God, we're so grateful for the gift of your church, your word, your Holy Spirit. We look forward to celebrating the great gift of your Son, by whom our salvation comes, by whom your kingdom is established, by whom sin's curse is broken, by whom the power, or by whom the law is fulfilled by whom our lives are transformed and made new to look like you, to love like you. 
Father, we pray that you would make each of us faithful like a Joseph, like a Mary, expectant and long-term committed like a wise man. But Father, we pray this morning that we would answer your Christmas question and that we would, from you, hear the challenge, the Christmas question that you have for each of us. Father, we pray these things in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.